So if you'll take your Bible and turn to John 20, uh, that's where we're going to be today. John chapter 20. We gather today, we gather to celebrate the center of our hope as Christians. We gather to proclaim and celebrate that Jesus Christ died on a Roman cross, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and that he rose from the grave and appeared to lots and lots of people on the third day. Jesus Christ rose from death never to die again. That's the center of our hope as followers of Jesus. We just sang a song, Is He Worthy? The reason he's worthy is because he rose from the grave. And he's worthy of worship from every people and tribe and tongue all across this globe. And if he gets worship from every one of them, he would still be worthy of more because he rose from the grave. That's the central hope that we have as followers of Jesus today. And we come to celebrate and proclaim that. In fact, it's so important that the Bible says if that didn't happen, then you and I are foolish for believing in God at all and we're still in our sins. We're not forgiven. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But we come to celebrate today that he has been raised. He's alive. And because he's alive, we have hope of the forgiveness of our sin. The cross was the payment, the tomb was the proof. We have hope today because he's alive. We have hope for forever. Jesus did not remain dead. He rose from death defeating death, never to die again, so that all who hope in him might have eternal life. So we have hope of forever because he rose from the grave. But we have hope today and we have hope tomorrow because he's alive and he's faced the most difficult enemy we have, death. And so whatever it is that is coming against you today, whether that's fear or guilt or shame or there's circumstances that you're facing and fighting, he's bigger. He's bigger than all of that because he's alive. And we're here to celebrate that today. Now, if you're here and you're a guest with us or maybe you're someone who is not yet convinced of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, you might feel like an outsider today. We don't want that, but you might feel like the guy that, hates seafood around a group of people that love it. You know, that's just, I I live that. That's just awkward, okay? And I always, if I go anywhere close to the coast, I just feel like I just need to apologize to you right now because I don't like seafood at every restaurant we go in. Or maybe you'll feel like that guy uh, that loves sports surrounded by people who like to make fun of people who love sports, Right? or in maybe an Apple guy in a room full of Android guys. Whatever you feel like, we don't want you to feel that way. We're glad you're here. You've been prayed for. You've, we, we are so glad that you would be with us today. And my hope is that you would hear and see something that's compelling, that you would hear and see something of the profound personal hope we have because of Jesus' resurrection from 
the grave. That's what we want. That's what we want. So I'm going to read uh, John 20, verses 1 through 10. That's where we're going to be today in terms of God's word. And then I'll pray and we'll continue. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the, th- the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. Let's pray together. Father God, would you meet with us this morning? Holy Spirit, would you reveal wonderful things from your word into our hearts and lives? Would you capture and captivate our hearts with this reality that Jesus Christ is risen from the grave? Jesus, thank you for being our hope. Thank you that you're a sure hope. You're the only hope we have and you're the only hope we need this morning. And so would you capture us with that idea, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, many of us have celebrated quite a few Easter Sundays. We know the drill. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. We know the story. And sometimes we can miss how incredibly shocking this moment was on this day. It was totally unexpected that Jesus would rise from the grave. No one who went to the tomb that morning expected it. It was unbelievable when they went and shared it with others. But then it became undeniable when they saw that the tomb was empty. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Unexpected, unbelievable, undeniable. And my hope is that that will be personal for us. Okay. So first, unexpected. Look at verse 1 of chapter 20 of John. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so John tells us that Mary came to the tomb early. In Luke, we read this, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Now, don't miss that. Mary and a group of women with her go to the tomb carrying spices because they were expecting a dead body to be there. They were bringing these spices to prepare the body, uh, to finalize the preparation of the body for burial. They were coming expecting to see a dead body there. And when they got there, the tomb was empty. The resurrection of Jesus was totally unexpected. They knew Jesus to be dead. They knew Jesus to be buried. They expected his body to be in that tomb when they got there. But he was not there. He was risen. So they were expecting him to be there. The resurrection of Jesus was unexpected. Culturally, it was unexpected. Uh, The Jews of that day had a concept of the resurrection. They had a concept of that, but it wasn't a single man rising from the dead in the middle of history. It was at the end of all of human history. All of us would be raised from the dead to stand before God for the good and the bad. That was their concept. 
So culturally, they were not expecting the tomb to be empty. It was entirely unexpected. But Luke continues, when they arrived, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And when they saw this, they were confused by it. And in verse four, it says, while they were perplexed about this, in Luke 24, while they were perplexed about this, Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. The unexpected had happened. The tomb was empty, and Jesus was alive. And the two men continue, remember Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And the Bible says, and they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and all the rest. So Jesus had been raised. The unexpected happened and Jesus is alive. And now not only was it unexpected, it was also unbelievable. So the women, after seeing the empty tomb, they run back to meet with the disciples and they meet and they share it with Peter and John at the very least. It says in verse 10, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Now, an idle tale is something you make up when you're just bored, all right? It's, it's, a, it's kind of a fanciful, crazy story that you make up, hopefully, to make people laugh. Now, today is my second favorite holiday, okay? Uh, it's Easter but it's also April Fool's Day. And, and last year when I was planning uh, our preaching calendar, I, sh- I saw that April Fool's Day and Easter was the same day. And I thought, God, why? Like, I love April Fool's Day. And I thought about starting my sermon with some kind of April Fool's joke. And then I thought, no, probably not a good look to start with deception, okay? But I love this holiday. It's one of my favorites. My wife hates it, which makes our marriage a lot of fun. The disciples think these women are just spinning a tale. They're, they're, just, they're just making up a story. And, and, and it's not a nice one either. It's one that they would not have laughed at. They wouldn't have gone, oh, ha, ha. They would have been deeply wounded by this false tale if it were false. Somebody Think about somebody telling you something crazy that you can't even fathom. And in this time, a woman's testimony was not held in high regard. So they think the women are just mouthing off crazy talk. But it's just crazy enough for Peter to want to go check it out. And it says in verse 12 that Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Now, I don't want to press this too much, but if you are a skeptic here, we're so glad you're here. We love skeptical people at Exodus. We're glad you're here. Would love to sit down with you and and listen to all of your questions. But if you're a skeptic today, here's my request of you. Follow Peter to the tomb. If you're skeptical, if you think what we believe is crazy, if if you think, man, we are just foolish for believing all this, then here's my request of you. Take all your questions and press through your skepticism with the same energy that you're skeptical of our faith, be skeptical of your doubt. And press all the way through that, and at the end of it, you're gonna be face-to-face with one reality that's faced every skeptic for the last 2,000 years. Jesus Christ is alive. And you've got to deal with that. 
You've got to deal with that. Peter thought they were mouthing off crazy talk. They thought it was an idle talk, but he still went to the tomb to check it out. And so if you're here and you think, man, you're just foolish. Okay, I agree with you. Get in line. There's a group of people that think that. But press through that to what's true. Because Jesus Christ is alive. If he's dead, none of this matters. But if he's alive, everything changes. And so Peter runs to the tomb and he finds that the tomb is empty. And what was unexpected and somewhat unbelievable becomes undeniable. Look at John 20, verse three. So Peter went out with the other disciple. Now the other disciple in this passage is John, the author of this gospel. Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them, both of them were running together But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. So John gets there first. He looks in, he sees that the linen cloths are lying there. Verse six, then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. I love that it's folded up. I'm just, I'm just kind of picturing that in my mind. You know, it, Jesus kind of folding it up and putting over to the side. Verse eight, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. He saw and believed. What was unexpected, what was in some way unbelievable became undeniable on that day. The tomb was empty. Jesus Christ is alive. And it says in verse nine, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So John and Peter had this moment there in the tomb where they go, that's what he meant. That's what the Bible, that's what the Old Testament was talking about. That's what he meant when he said he was gonna rise from the grave. Then in verse 10, it says, then the disciples, that's Peter and John, um, went back to their homes. Now, can you imagine what that journey was like? Can you imagine what they were talking about and what they were thinking about and what they were saying? And in Luke 24, it says, Peter went home marveling at what he had seen. Marveling. The unexpected and somewhat unbelievable became undeniable on that day. Now, none of what I've said to you so far is is new at all. In fact, if I ever say anything to you that's new, you shouldn't believe it. I mean, we, the, the Bible's been around a long time. Jesus has been out of the grave for over, almost 2,000 years. We're saying what Christians have said for a long time. But man, it's gloriously true and so important. So I got two things that I think we need to hear and believe as we think about Jesus' resurrection. The first one is this. Jesus' resurrection is no idle tale. Jesus' resurrection is no idle tale. It's not something that people just made up. It's not something that's a myth. It's not something that's a legend. It's not something that's false. It's not something that's crazy talk. The reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is historically verified fact. And if you're going to be a skeptic, which man, I encourage you to be a skeptic, but be an honest one. And if you're gonna be an honest one, there's some questions that you've got to deal with about the reality that the tomb is empty. 
First one you've got to deal with is the real lies told by the authorities. The, the Roman leaders appointed guards to stand at the tomb. Those men, it says in Matthew, fell out like dead men when their stone was rolled back, that the earth shook. And as Jesus was raised from the grave, those soldiers fell out, passed out, such that when they went and told the authorities that, the authorities said, hey, listen, here's how we're gonna handle this. We're gonna create a story that the disciples came and stole the body. You guys pass that around. So what you've got to believe to believe that is that the disciples who were running for their lives two days before made a plan on Saturday to take out Roman soldiers and roll back a two-ton stone to take out a body and hide it without anybody finding out about their plan. So you've got to deal with that reality if you're gonna be a skeptic. The second thing you've got to deal with is the real reliable first century documents from his followers. You've got to deal with the reality that we've got four gospels written in the first century where people who were alive during the events that they report could have said, no, that's not how it happened. And at any point when the Bible was written and propagated around the the area, at any point they could have just said, that's crazy talk. There's the body right there. They could have shut it all down with a body, the body of Jesus. But he was alive. He was bodily raised to new life. The tomb was empty. Then you've got to deal with real life change from his followers. A few weeks ago, we talked about Peter and and a few nights before, uh, the night before Jesus is crucified, Peter's standing in a courtyard and people are saying, hey, you, you were with him, and he denies Jesus three times. Then, after the resurrection of Jesus, 50 days later, he's standing in Jerusalem proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, that this Jesus you killed is now alive. How do you explain that kind of courage just 50 days removed from his denial of Jesus? How do you explain? Man, that's some kind of whole 30 if that's, that kind of courage is gonna happen. How do you explain that? How do you explain James? James was his half-brother, the half-brother of Jesus. And James, after the resurrection of Jesus, started worshiping him as God, leading the church in Jerusalem, and wrote one of the letters of the New Testament. Now, think about your siblings. What would it take for one of them to worship you? Mary, the mother of Jesus, worshiped him. There's not a chance my mama's worshiping me. She knows too much. But Mary and James worshiped Jesus and called others to worship their, their family member. And then Paul. Paul was an enemy of all things Jesus. He was on the road to Damascus to take out Christians and to put them in prison and kill them. And while he's on the road, he comes face to face with the risen Jesus and his life is radically changed. And so if you're gonna be a skeptic, you've got to deal with the reality that the tomb is empty, that the documents are true, and that there was real life change in the disciples because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection is not some idle tale. It's not a myth. 
It is historically verified, undeniable fact. It's no idle tale. And that's why we have hope today, Christian. The reason we have hope of forgiveness today is because Jesus is alive. The cross was the payment, but the empty tomb is the proof. That's why we have hope of forgiveness today. And and Christian, there's no sin too great. There's no problem too big that Jesus is not strong enough to handle. It's the reason, Christian, we have hope of forever. The reason we have hope of forever is because Jesus faced death and defeated it so that all who hope in him might have hope. And it's the reason we have hope today. The the only reason we can face what's coming in our world, And and I don't know what that is for you, but what I do know is that you and I are not sufficient to handle what's coming. You and I can't control enough, do enough, be awesome enough to handle what we're facing apart from the risen Jesus. And because of him, we have hope. Because of him. And Jesus' resurrection is no idle tale. And the way we have hope in that reality is the undeniable has to become personal. It can't just stay out here and be this undeniable, objective, historical fact. There's got to be life change in here where we bow the knee to him. And so that's an important question. Has the undeniable become personal for you? Has the undeniable become personal for you? Again, just simply ascribing to a fact. Yes, Jesus was raised from the dead. Check, agree, yes that doesn't produce in you the hope that we're describing. This this undeniable has to become personal. And so has it in your life? That's really the question. I mean, the vast majority of us don't doubt that Jesus actually rose from the, the dead. We just doubt whether we want that to matter in our lives. In fact, in 2016, there was a poll conducted of 1,000 American adults, not Christian adults, just 1,000 Americans, It says that 86% say they believe that Jesus Christ did walk the earth 2,000 years ago. And 77% of them believe he was resurrected. So 77% of the 1,000 Americans surveyed said, yes, Jesus was raised from the dead. Only 7% said no. Only 7% of that 1,000 people. And so as we gather today, the issue is not whether you believe it really happened. The issue is whether it's personal whether that objectively, historically verifiable fact, undeniable fact, has become personal in you. Said another way, have you trusted in the Jesus who you believe rose from the grave? Have you trusted in him? Now, when we face what's in front of us, Do we think that we're our hope for what we're facing? Or do we trust the Jesus who rose from the dead? When we're faced with the reality of our sin, do we think, hey, I've got to do better and try harder so that my good can outweigh the bad? Or do we just take all that to Jesus who died on a cross for our sin? Has the undeniable become personal? 
it did for Mary. Look at verse 11 of chapter 20 in John. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stopped, she stooped, excuse me, stooped to look into the tomb. Now, this Mary, this Mary has a story. This is Mary Magdalene. And in Luke, we find out that like seven demons were cast out of her. So she wasn't like raised in church and born in the nursery and all that stuff that some of us have experienced. She had a story and it was a bad one. Like she had some hurt and pain and messiness all over her life. And then she met Jesus and Jesus radically changed her which is good news for us today. Because it doesn't matter the story you brought in here today. Jesus is bigger. And there's more grace in him than there is sin in you. So no matter what kind of sin and just dump truck load of sin you bring to Jesus, his grace is greater still. And we know that because of the cross, but we believe that because of the resurrection. So Mary had a story just like we have a story. And Jesus was bigger than her story. Verse 12, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain and one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was him. Now, she was told earlier that Jesus was, was raised. She was told that in Luke. She, she actually went and told Peter and John. But then she comes back and something goes on in her heart where she's like, man, I just don't know. I don't understand. I don't know if this is really what's going on. And maybe some of you, maybe you know the story. You know that Jesus is alive, but sometimes you doubt and wonder. That's Mary. That's what she's doing. Verse 16, and Mary said, and Jesus said to her, Mary. No, I skipped a verse. I'm very sorry. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. I love that Jesus called her name, Mary. And it says, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now, now for some of us, what's happening right now in our hearts, our hearts are beating fast and we're wondering what in the world is going on. What's going on is God's calling your name. He's calling your name. He's saying to you, all that that you're going after that you think you have hope in, None of it will satisfy you. None of it will give you the hope that your heart craves. And he's calling your name this morning. He's saying all that you think is gonna help you face what you're facing, none of it's gonna work. And he's calling your name. All those things you bow your life to that you say are worthy with your time, talent, and treasure, they're not worthy. Jesus is calling your name to say, I'm a worthy I and I alone am worthy. And what Mary does is Mary turns. I don't want to press this too far, but the Bible has a concept called repentance, which is a change of mind and heart and direction. And today, maybe you came in here trusting all these other things, which ends up trusting in yourself. And maybe today you would hear the voice of Jesus call in your name, 
And my hope is that you would turn to trust him because he alone is worthy of that trust. He and he alone is worthy of that kind of trust. And then Jesus says in verse 17, do not cling to me for I've yet to, uh, I've not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Now it's interesting to me that is as personal as this moment is with Mary, he still points her to community. He doesn't say, hey, Mary, stay here with me. It's just about me and you, Mary. He says, go and tell your brothers. Now, God has so much for us and he so wants the undeniable to come, become personal in our lives, but he wants more for us than podcasting a sermon by ourselves. He wants more for us than occasionally showing up at a church gathering. He wants more for us than that. He's made us for more. He, he wants us to experience this thing called the church, the community of those who belong to Jesus together. And he wants that for us. And it's messy, and sometimes it hurts, and sometimes it's hard. But man, sometimes it's gloriously beautiful. And you're made for that kind of community. And Jesus, in this very personal moment, calls her to go to her brothers and says, this personal is important, but this community is crucial too. And I love verse 18. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord, she says. The undeniable became personal for her. The undeniable became personal She heard facts, but she needed to meet Jesus. She heard what was true, but she needed to connect to him. And she does. And my hope for us today, whether you've walked with Jesus for a long time or whether you've never really trusted him, my hope is that we would meet him today and that the undeniable would become personal, that the hope we have in Jesus' resurrection would become entirely personal for us and that we would leave here saying, I've seen the Lord. So turn to Jesus today. Turn to him. Trust him. He's the only one worthy of your trust and worship. Not just because he died for your sin, but because he rose from the grave.